Pepper for Your Steak is an adult podcast for those age 25 years and older. Scientists and doctors tell me that's the age your frontal cortex is finally fully formed. Whatever that means. Supposedly, this is the age that your brain is finished cooking. I'm not recommending anything in here. I certainly don't accuse anybody of anything. This is not any medical information. This is all a work of fiction, fantasy, and entertainment. Enjoy. Your happiness is all I want in this world. I know. No, you don't. You can't possibly. Not until you have children of your own. I would do anything for you. Anything to keep you from harm. I would burn cities to the ground. You are all that matters. You and your sister. The moment you came into this world, my boy. My only boy. Matthews, pepper for your steak. Buckle up. This one is gonna get weird. But after all, isn't that why you come here? I'm so grateful to be expanding my audience, to be blessed to meet so many new people, to talk on so many new shows, and some old ones. Tinfoil hat, shout out. Thank you for having me on again. I'm continuing to challenge the boundaries of what we listen to. What is entertainment? Consider this. Thanks for being here. Maverick Matthews, Pepper for Your Steak. We thought we had something different here, you see. We live in both a very fragile and precious experiment in democracy. 
profound decline. Reptilian agenda. Okay, well, let's talk about the reptiles. So you're saying the reptilians are luring humans to like Hawaii to vacate to vacation spots? The news is there to scare white people. I've said this for years. To live this life, you can't live the life everyone else lives. You're not going to be partying on the weekends. You're going to be performing on the weekends. You're not going to be watching the big uh, game on a Thursday night because you'll be in a club. You have to have that mindset that you don't belong. You don't go to the rhythm of the rest of the world. <sighs> Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. Okay, this episode is going to be weird. I don't know how else to describe it. I've had this idea in my mind for a long time. I had a lot of trepidation about doing it. I, I wasn't really sure how to approach it. I wasn't actually sure when it would come out. The basic premise is the idea that I have several voicemails on my phone that I found. And they're from people who are no longer with us. And I thought, wouldn't that be interesting to listen to them for the first time on this show? As you know, this, this show is a compendium of my human experience, and I'm essentially preserving it for my son one day. God forbid I'm not around, but, you know, I lost my father at a young age when I was 10. And if I had a podcast of his that I could listen to, wouldn't it be a cool experience just to know what he thought, to know what he was dealing with? It wouldn't, it wouldn't really matter what it was about. Just to have that as an artifact, to hear his voice. I have about 10 minutes of my dad's voice because he died in 1989. And, and there just wasn't, you know, we didn't have the digital technology we have now. There wasn't the volume of information. We didn't have phones. We weren't we weren't recording everything. I have two voicemails here that I'm going to listen to for the very first time on the show. One comes from my best friend Michael Johnstone and the other comes from my mother. Now, I have no idea what these are concerning. They could be super mundane, they could mean nothing. It could be like, "Hey, call me back." I don't know. But the idea of reaching into the past as a as a kind of catharsis to to release the past I, I, th I thought was interesting and so I thought I might share it with you I lit a candle it's burning in front of me and I talked to my buddy Nick earlier and he's like man that, I definitely want to hear that I, I don't know how this is going to go it could end with me just weeping <laughs> I hope not, but I'm here to indulge whatever this becomes because I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting experience to look into the abyss and share it. So I'm going to share these two voicemails. So to put us in the right mindset, I have a little song. I'm going to play um <laughs> I'm going to play Baby Come Back by Player pretty famous song from the 1970s um, it was a number one hit at the time I thought it was there's definitely an irony here but it also ties into my station in life because I've been dealing with a kind of nostalgia 
for the life that I tried to create, which didn't work out. My family, which dissolved, ended in divorce, trying to figure it out. That's ongoing. And so all of this is very timely and relevant. It's very heartfelt. And this podcast has always been about just giving a supreme acknowledgement to my human experience from the heart. And so I thought it was appropriate to share. If this is not the kind of content you're looking for, <laughs> go elsewhere. You want to listen to some political bullshit? Be my guest. But this is this continues to be an experiment. And the experiment we're doing tonight is the release of the past. So thank you for being here. I'm grateful for your attention. I'm nervous. I'm actually scared as fuck. These could be the most mundane messages. They could just be like, hey, call me back. I, 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 don't, I have no idea what they're about. They weren't the last messages these people left me. They just happened to be ones that I never got to. And I was going through my phone, and I was like, holy fuck. I, I, you know, I have trepidation. I'm nervous. But I thought it'd be a cool experiment. So let's prime ourselves with this music. A little clip from Player, Baby Come Back. And then uh, we'll listen to, to the messages. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts as best I can. And I, I would like to express my gratitude for your indulgence of this experiment. So we're reaching into the past. Let's have a little music to, to warm us up. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. Listen to the lyrics of that song really closely. In the 70s, they were making music that was just, it was just honest. I just can't live without you. And yet, we have to. <sighs> okay, so here's the first one. It comes from one of my best friends, Michael Johnstone. Michael and I started my first podcast in his snowboard shop. It was called The Powder Rapport. We, we 
we would just talk about snowboarding and we would get drunk and stoned and have fun and talk. We would lock ourselves in in the evening and people would be there watching us and having fun. And I miss, I miss him so much. And so I was wrong, you know, you know, it's crazy. The, the date on this message is 2020. Now, the backstory of Michael's death is interesting. Michael Johnstone and George Medina were the people who opened Taos Ski Valley to snowboarding. They started a, a campaign to open the ski valley to snowboards because previously to them, it was skis only. This incredible mountain in northern New Mexico. And if you don't know about the skiing in northern New Mexico, stay away. It's terrible. The people are mean and the food's bad. (laughs) It's amazing. It's a world-class mountain. I have snowboarded in Austria, and I will tell you, all over Europe, and I will tell you that this mountain is a legit mountain. Taos Ski Valley. There's no resort there. There's no fanciness yet. It will eventually be co-opted, but... These guys, these guys used to hike in and, <laughs> and stamp the words free Taos in the side of the mountain. <laughs> in the snow. They, they were legends. Michael developed a kind of terminal cancer. He used to tell me, Maverick! What did they call it? They used to call yeah, yeah, that's right. Maverick! They got the Michael Douglas disease. Uh, it's a kind of throat cancer that develops from HPV from sexual contact. And so he he used to tell me, Maverick, I'm dying from eating pussy. But is there a better way to go? He was always super jovial about it. He uh, he understood the absurdity of this incarnation. He would joke all the time. If pussy kills you, if pussy kills you, Maverick, I want to die. <laughs> and he didn't mean it, you know, of course. This was a man who had a lust for life, which inspired me. He, So many people looked up to Michael. Is it really a trick? If the best thing in the world kills you? I mean, we used to debate all the time the best way to die. We agreed that the worst way to die was probably in a fire or being eaten by a shark. But the best way to probably go would be not at climax during the sexual act, but just after. And I'll relate a personal story if I have the fortitude after this of my first heart attack. But, yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to share that. It's amazing when you start dealing with the insanely real, how everything else is stripped away. I've been present at the death of a lot of people. Not by design, it's just how the world played my cards. Whew. 
I'll never forget this guy. I'm curious what you think of my impression. Maverick, no, I just want you to know, if pussy kills us, I'm ready for it. <laughs> Honestly, this is this is all just a way for me to to pad myself. I'm 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 scared. I'm I'm afraid to listen to this message, but I also know that I loved this guy a lot, and so it's really cool to eulogize him in a weird way. And I think, in my heart of hearts, that he would appreciate this. You know. Don't tell him my secrets, you son of a bitch. But at the same time, he, you know, here we are four years later still talking about this bastard. I miss you, Mike. I love you so much. We had, we had such an incredible relationship. And he was really struggling at the end. He had no business being alive. He had cancer all over his body. And yet he was somehow overcoming it. And then his best friend, George Medina, whose family owned a cement company, was driving a cement truck through through the valley on the way to Taos and had an accident and was killed. Was killed in a, a horrible cement truck accident. George was perfectly healthy, as far as I know. And when George was killed, I remember talking to Mike briefly about it. He he really couldn't talk, and he, he and it wasn't that he was he was incapable of talking. He just he was having a hard time. His best friend had just died in a in an unexpected car accident, and I remember just touching base with him, saying, "Man, you know, I I'm so sorry this happened." Michael had been fighting cancer for months, like terminal cancer. There's no, he had no business being alive. There were tumors all over his body. And when his best friend died, he died two days later. It just wasn't worth it anymore. Here it is, the unheard message from Michael Johnstone. Hey, Mav Johnstone here, just checking in and saying hello. Today was my first day back at work after, holy shit, like over a week, eight or nine days of uh, festivities. That's hard on us older folks, so uh, getting back in the groove and lots of uh, meat, lots of vegetables, lots of sleep, and lots of water. That's about that's the, that's my recovery program. So give me a call back. Talk to you soon. Hope your experience in Rio Dosa was good and that you made it back safely to the Glendale, Glenwood, Glen, Glen Livet, Glen Gary, Glen Roth. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. This message came to me. Just to give you context, I had just made a trip to New Mexico with two purposes. That's interesting. Purpose number one was to visit Mike. It was his birthday. And he had people who flew in from Europe. He had uh, 
everyone knew he was sick at this point. And so people were rallying around him. Uh, we knew it wasn't looking good. But no one really knew where we were at in terms of his disease because Michael always presented, you know, so strong, so incredibly. But at the same time, you know, he, he looked weak. He looked rough. You know, he was walking slow. You know, the chemo was definitely showing on him. I had been you know, at the hospital, at least on the outskirts with him, because this was during the COVID time, and I couldn't go in, and, you know, we, uh, I came up to Taos Ski Valley to see him, and then I, I wanted to go to Rio Doso, which is a couple hours south, to spread my mother's ashes, and if I'm being truly honest, I regret I regret rushing this trip because I I could have stayed longer. I think if I'm being truly honest, I was afraid to. I was afraid to be around him and we rode that day. We hit the hill, you know, we still he he was still putting it in, you know, on the slopes even though he was getting tired and we had to take breaks and I could have stayed longer, and I didn't. And the minute I left, I regretted it. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, I, this trip was twofold. I want to spread my mom's ashes in Rio Doso. And he totally understood that. He was totally understanding of everything. But I, I wish I had spent a few more days with him. If there's a lesson here, the lesson is, don't let yourself don't don't talk yourself out of the most important moments in life this is advice that i'm giving myself now in hindsight life is already hard it's fraught with danger it comes fully loaded with bullshit don't talk yourself out of the most important moments just because you don't think they'll be bearable. Even if you can't bear them, you should. You're lucky to be here. You're lucky to be here when so many people who want to be here aren't. Even in the station that I'm battling with today, I, I don't want to deal with the things I have to deal with. I'm being bullied. I'm being demoralized. I'm being psychologically attacked, destroyed. And your first reaction is just abandon ship, run away, bail. And you're not, that's not what you're supposed to do. We're lucky to be here. Because the best of us, for some reason, their allotment runs, it runs shy. I don't understand this. I didn't intend to pontificate at length on this, you know, but... I 
I miss Mike a lot, and he, he went back to work with terminal cancer until he couldn't even stand. That's a fucking soldier. And I'll be a soldier until I can't stand. Heart attacks or not. For my son. Because that's what matters. And to segue here into the next one, a message from my mother. You know, my mother and I didn't have the greatest relationship when she passed. I wish it was better. I wish we had been on better terms. We had our own set of challenges. There's a stubbornness within me that I inherited from her. It's ironic that it ends up working against each other. Don't harbor a stubborn attitude. Work as hard as you can to get rid of your ego. Your ego is the enemy. That sense of identifying with your material self, this material condition that we're, that we're all experiencing. It's fake. It's just, for the, it's just right now. But there's something far more eternal within us, within us all. And in the most quiet moments, especially deep in nature, sometimes, if you're lucky, you can hear its voice. And it says, be, be grateful, be in harmony, accept Love unconditionally. Have gratitude that you are. Just for a moment. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I don't pretend to know what that means. I don't even pretend to be strong anymore. But I do aspire and endeavor to witness what is happening to me and to everyone. And it is a grand test. And I fail constantly, but I still have the dignity to fail with my head held high for my son, whatever that means. So thank you, Michael. I miss you. Thank you for teaching me some of the most important lessons. That there is a time to strive. And, interestingly enough, when he could no longer bear it, when his best friend was gone, when everything that gave him value in this world was taken away, he bowed out. That's part of this experience, too. When the most important things are taken away from you, sometimes you don't have a choice but to bow out. None of us want that. None of us aspire for that. None of us look forward to that. But that is the end that is coming for all of us. Whether 
we want to admit it or not. And I only hope that I can also meet that challenge with dignity. The dignity that I've been lacking so far. I'm not really sure how to segue here. Thank you for indulging this. It's, it's so... It's so melancholy, you know, it's so nostalgic, you know. And yet, it is part of the experience, and this is a compendium for my son one day just to know his father. May the universe allow me to know my son. Okay. You had enough punishment yet? Let's, uh... <laughs> you know, I, um... I looked at the date, of course, and... Michael died two years ago. To me, it seems like a decade. My, you know, my son growing up, my marriage dissolving, moving to North Idaho... So many fucking things happened in that interim. The date on this message from my mother, interestingly enough, is on my birthday. Which was this week. It was this last Tuesday. Six days ago. And probably I didn't listen to this message because I probably talked to her later in the day. But this was in 2018. In August. In September of this year, we went to Europe for a month together as a family. And then she died in November. I'm I'm definitely nervous, but let's let's do this together as a team. Here we go. Happy birthday, my darling son. Um, I will call the house, and then otherwise, just give me a. Oh, I'll try you later today. I love you with all my heart. I hope you have a very very good day. Bye. It turns out that wasn't the only message that she left. There was another message that I only found when I was exploring these. And it was a few days later. And, you know, that's pretty straightforward. She was a very... My, mo my mother was an incredible woman, so... This message I'm actually nervous about. I, I have no idea what it's about, but it was a few days later. And it's a little longer. And I, do, I have, I, you know, there's, there's no way to preface it. Here we go. Good 
Good morning. You guys are probably working. I just wanted to update you on what was going on uh, with my doctor's visit. So give me a call when you get a chance. I'll try to call the home phone. Love you. you. <clears throat> Pretty straightforward. It's interesting, you know, this is a grab bag. I, d I didn't know what was going to come out. And of course, you enter this kind of scenario going, wow, I hope this is some kind of profound statement that they made that I overlooked, you know, um, reaching into the platitudes and uniting all the constellations. And then what, what you find are, are human beings that are just in their daily routine trying to connect with the people around them. And you know what? That's what makes up the best human beings. The people who don't have a reason to call, but still call and say, hey, I just want to let you know what's going on in my life because I care about your life. And reflecting on all this, these people were both dying of cancer. And you don't hear that in the message. You don't hear that in their communication at all. What you hear is, What you hear is, I love you. Why would you share this with people, Maverick? Why would you do this? Because in a weird way, I don't believe in telling people what to do anymore. I believe in demonstrating the best that I can be. The most authentic self that I have. Because that's what I want to see in the people around me. I don't want this Instagram life anymore. I don't want this, let's focus on the best things and pretend that's what the human experience is. That's a mental illness. I'm not disparaging these platforms. They have been an incredible way for us to connect with each other. They are also used as an incredible way to inspire others. I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on these platforms. I'm grateful for the people who follow me. But we all know that it's not a true reflection of the human experience. I, I don't care if this podcast gets famous. It's already... It already has a certain kind of notoriety, so I'm being told, within the network of people that I talk to. And I'm super grateful for that. I appreciate your attention. Your attention is the most important thing you can give anyone. But I, I just have to reinforce that I'm not doing this to be someone who's fancy. I've been in Hollywood for a decade. I've worked with all the A-listers. I got to work with Ryan Reynolds a month ago. I guess it's been two months now. But... And by the way, he's everything you want him to be. You know, he was an absolute gentleman. He was a hard worker. He showed up. He did his stuff. He treated everybody with dignity and respect. There was no hint of an attitude whatsoever. He called me by my first name all day. We interacted all day. It was really fun. He's everything you want one of your heroes to be. 
it's unfortunate that sometimes the people who are closest to us, who we know so well, we take for granted. And I definitely, I'm not saying I took my mother or Michael, oops, sorry. I'm not saying I took my mother or Michael for granted, but I think that's just part of the nature of the human condition when you get to know somebody so deeply. You don't realize that there are other people out there and these people come into their orbit just for a moment and it changes their lives. My mother was a, an early childhood educator, so she would go into preschools that had lost their accreditation and bring them back up to speed and get them accredited again. They put her on the cover of Austin Women's Magazine, you know? She was amazing. She, she was inspiring. She lost her husband when she was 40 and never even looked at another man. I can remember my mother going on one date. No, I'm not saying this is the best way to cope with loss. I'm just, I'm just telling you what she did. She went, I remember her going on one date. And she was, you know... Asked out all the time by randos, people in her orbit. And she'd say, you know, I'm focused on my kids. And I suspect that she indulged some romance with women later in her life. But the point being, I did hear her say, you know what? I just compare everyone to him. And I don't know that it's possible to reestablish that level of connection again in one lifetime. I heard her say that, and she never did. She died single, living in Hawaii, in retirement, in an incredible house in the mountains. Or not in the mountains, but up on the hillside above Kona, where wild pigs would come through her yard. We've been blessed at so many different points in our trajectory, but it's not because of the things we've been given. It's because of the amount of effort people have put into that trajectory. I know that now. It's easy to disparage people who seem successful on the outside. Guess what? They deal with just as many of the real day-to-day -day problems as everybody else. Michael was the same way. He led an existence that was inspiring. It was compelling. We would play what we called yard golf. When the, when the mountain began to thaw and the spring showed up and we, didn't, we couldn't really enjoy our time riding, we would take our rock boards out, but we were, we were still riding the dregs and we had to endure the changeover during the mud season. We would play golf in his yard, just like Frisbee golf, except with actual you know, balls and and clubs and we just the the person who shot the previous hole got to pick the next point and it was like a chip shot away from us okay that tree over there okay ready and then you know the person who won the previous hole got to go first and you make your little chip and you try to hit that tree or whatever point you've picked meanwhile there's people in his yard piling up snow so that they could go off a kicker that extended from his roof. There was a ladder up to the roof, and they built this kicker so that we could throw 
little silly jumps over a picnic table while we were playing yard golf. This man had a lust for life. He died at 50. I think... I think 50 is an age that you're getting robbed, but at the same time you got 50. I'm only 43. I would definitely feel robbed if I had to go now, but that's still 43. I lost friends in high school. I lost friends when I was a kid. This is an exceptionally random experience. So the takeaway from all of this, walk out your door tomorrow. And it doesn't matter if it's raining. It doesn't matter if you think it's too hot. It doesn't matter if you have any money. It doesn't matter if you have to go to a job all day that you hate. You can quit that job. You can choose to be homeless like I did in Los Angeles for months before I got my break in the industry. And I moved from being homeless on the streets of North Hollywood living in an RV that I built out of scrap from sets. You can go see a picture of this at my website, maverickmatthews.com. It's got a giant snake on the side. Go to the photo page. I lived in that RV when I met the mother of my child. I lived in that RV when I finally got stable work in the film and television industry. And I moved... Not because all of a sudden I started making tons of money, but because I made a connection to someone who recognized my authenticity and gave me a bro deal. I moved from there to a private gated ranch in the mountains of the Angeles National Forest next to the most famous waterfall hike in the city. A three-building compound where I lived for the you know, best part of the next four years. It was incredible right next to a stream in Los Angeles. People just don't have that experience. And I'm not saying that I had that because I was special. I had that experience because I was willing to risk it and to be homeless and to suffer and to go through shit. Just like Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption. Because you know what's at the other end of that shit? Something fucking beautiful. So keep crawling, no matter how much you want to quit. You have to make sacrifices to get to the beauty, and nothing is fair. You know, wouldn't it have been an interesting movie if Andy Dufresne died while he was trying to break out of that prison in that fucking tunnel of shit? Well, guess what? Some people die in the tunnel of shit. And so we have to honor them. We have to be honest about the fact that some people die in the tunnel of shit. Some people never even get to fucking get to the tunnel. You know, they're locked in the prison cell for no reason, for terrible reasons, forever. Unfairly. You know, for no reason. Other than that, you know, the, the physical experience that we're having as corporeal beings, I truly believe is a proving ground. I truly believe that this is the crucible. And some people are burned alive. It's not their fault. It just happens. And I would never pretend to sit here and tell you why. 
Oh, it must have been their karma. Oh, fuck you. Shitty things happen to good people sometimes. And shitty things happen to bad people. There is no explanation for it. So if you're in this world, alive, healthy, breathing, even if you're not, if you're still here, if you're on death's door, keep fucking struggling. If you're drowning, keep treading water. Keep trying not to drown. Develop a concept in your head that it is possible to survive and do it. If there's no money in your bank account, I can remember days I couldn't even afford I couldn't even afford a McDonald's hamburger for fucking a dollar fifty or whatever the fuck a single, you know, dollar menu hamburger is after tax. I didn't give a shit. I bought that hamburger or I didn't. Some days I'd go hungry. I'd I'd get the twenty five cent ramen. But you know what? It felt good to know that I was chasing my dream. This is why it's so important to have goals. Goals are what get you through the hard times. If you don't know why you're struggling, it becomes harder to struggle. But if you know why you're struggling, that reason becomes the answer to your struggle. Why am I doing this? Because I'm trying to make it. Trying to make my career as whatever. Fill in the blank. All you have to have is a reason. And you can give yourself a reason right now. If it's just to watch the next sunrise, that is enough. All right. What a douche. Okay, I've done enough. Thank you. Thank you for indulging this. I I didn't know where it would go. I knew it would get passionate. We're going to end on a, a little more, a slightly more jovial note. This is a quote from the Jack Cornfield Heart Wisdom podcast. You know, I, I like to aggregate these ideas. By the way, the opening music comes from the new constellations. It's called Hot Blooded. And then, of course, we had the music in the middle. I talked about that, so you know who to follow there. These will all be in the show notes, by the way. Please consider visiting my website, maverickmatthews.com. I've just released a coffee table book, which is for sale there. We are almost sold out of the... (gasps) Sorry, I had a hiccup there. Fucking random hiccup. I could choose to edit it out, but I'm not. This This is the raw deal. I just released a coffee table book called Campfire, which is a collection of the paintings I made during my divorce. Um, I'm not a painter. They're not incredible. But they are, I've been told they're cool, but I just, I don't tend to believe people. What I do know about them is that they are an absolutely raw expression of a person who is in true pain, looking for hope. And they're reproduced in extremely high quality. That's why the book is so expensive, because it cost me a lot to print it. More than 50%. Standard retail markup is 100%. You know, like if something costs $5, you sell it for $10. i am i am the markup is far below that because I just wanted to get this thing out to people and I'm super grateful. If you ordered one of these books in the, in the first round of the printing, they are on their way. Thank you for being patient. Please give me a few weeks if you order one of these special editions because first they have to get shipped to me 
and then I have to do all the signing, add the letter, all the stuff that I add to it, and then they're turned around. Most importantly, considering this purchase supports me and my son and my artistic presentation and my ability to continue this strange journey and report on it here. So thank you for your indulgence, but most importantly, thank you for your attention. So if you want to find out what's going on, go to maverickmatthews.com. Otherwise, enjoy this outro clip from Jack Cornfield, Heart Wisdom Podcast. And shout out to everybody who's had me on their show in the last couple of weeks. I did kind of a blitz of different podcasts. Uh, in the last few weeks, I've done, I've done a lot of shows, and so I'm super grateful for all those opportunities. Joe Rupe, Sam Tripoli, you know, everyone, you know who you are, so thank you very much. And I will be back soon with an electronic music show. I am ramping up. I got big secrets coming up. New things happening in the electronic music realm. Live shows. All kinds of cool shit. So thank you for being here. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. To understand this capacity we have as humans to awaken. Now... What is that which we can awaken to? What is the Dharma which we can awaken to? Dharma is a Sanskrit and Pali word that refers to uh, that which is universal, to the teachings and to the laws of the universe, teachings which describe it. And the Dharma or the laws, the way things work, are always here to be discovered. They're quite immediate. So there's a story many of you old meditators who come to these things will have heard before of a pious man not unlike these figures here along the ceiling who very much believed in God and one day the place where he dwelled um, uh, it started to rain heavily and it rained and a big flood came and he went from his first floor to the second floor of his house and the water rose until he was on the roof someone rode by and said Get in, my friend, I'll save you. The water's rising. He said, no, I believe in God. I really have faith. I believe. So he sent the rowboat away. It rained more and the water got all the way up to his neck. And another rowboat came by, picking up people. Get in, my friend, I'll save you. No, thank you. I have trust. I've lived my whole life. I believe in God. No need. The rowboat goes away. It gets up to his nose just barely can breathe, and a helicopter comes over and lowers down a rope. Come up, my friend, save you. No, thank you. I believe I have faith. I trust. So the helicopter goes away. It rains some more, and he drowns. He goes to uh, heaven after that, and after not very long there, he gets an interview with uh, God, and it's his turn. So he goes in, you know, and he sits down and pays his respects and whatever. And then he says, you know, I just don't understand it. Here I was, your faithful servant. I was so trusting and prayed and so believing. And uh, I just don't understand what happened to me. And he sort of recounts all his circumstances. Where were you when I needed you? And God looks and kind of scratches his head and says, I don't understand it either. I sent you two rowboats and a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we wait somehow for God to come as some big flash or our spiritual awakening to be some wonderful otherworldly experience. What the Dharma is and what we can awaken to is the truth that's here when we leave our fantasies and our memories and things behind and come into the present. And we come into the present. Right now is a gift. That's why it's called the present. You ever hear that one? So much wisdom to be had from so many incredible teachers like Jack Cornfield. Go listen to his podcast. He's in his late 70s. He's not going to be with us much longer. I, I hope and I pray that I get to spend time with him before he leaves because he has changed the trajectory of my life. And I'm for, forever grateful. Regardless of whether or not that happens, I'm still grateful. And he still changed it. Which is what I'm here doing. I hope that I get to change the trajectory of just one life. I pray every morning when I wake up, and it's important to understand that I am not a Christian. I'm not a, I'm not a Buddhist. I don't believe in Islam. I don't believe in Judaism. I don't believe in organized religion. Even though I was raised within a staunch Catholic and Episcopal household. What I do believe is that there are two forces in the world and then there are many other forces. You want to hear some secret esoteric, excuse me, some secret esoteric wisdom? I guess I wouldn't, I guess I would be remiss if I didn't drop a few secrets in here. The first sentence in the Hebrew Bible, or, or in the English modern version of the Bible, is generally translated as, in the beginning, God created the heaven, the heavens and the earth. It's the first sentence in most Bibles, regardless of the translation. Well, this is a mistranslation. Because if you read the Hebrew Bible, the original Bible is written in Hebrew. Okay? The first sentence is seven words long. That's not a mistake. That seven refers to the seven heavenly bodies and the seven chakras, etc., 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 the reason there are seven is because the word God in that sentence is actually a mistranslation. The word used in Hebrew is the word Elohim. And in this sentence, when you translate the word Elohim from Hebrew, it is not singular. It is actually plural. So an accurate translation would be, in the beginning the gods created the heavens and the earth, as in multiple. Now, I understand this is going to ruffle a lot of feathers. I'm not saying this to upset anybody. This is the absolute truth. In the language, the original language, the quote-unquote Bible was written in. And people who are students of the esoteric mystery schools know this. 
because there are many forces that have dominion over the human condition, and if you choose to personify them, they can be known as gods. All you have to do is pay attention to the different ways in which you are pulled through your subconscious, and you will realize there are many gods that are more powerful than our physical body. And the two that I choose to pay attention to are equivalent in power, and sometimes they're called good and evil, but that is not, that's a very binary way of looking at things. If you study esoteric history, you realize that everything gets reduced and reduced and reduced, and we are forced into a kind of binary reduction that's ridiculous. I'm not saying there aren't two genders. There are absolutely two genders, just as there are two ultimate forces. Now, they don't have anything to do with each other. What I mean is I do believe in the hermetic principles of duality and centrism. There are always three things. One side, the other side, and the middle. And in terms of the absolute forces which seem to rule our reality, there's a force which combines things, what I call the divine combinatory force, or love, and a force which takes things apart, or what I like to refer to as the chaotic force, or ambivalence. You see, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference, because it requires indifference to take the human carapace, the body that we are given, and take it apart and reduce it to its individual components so that other things can come along and combine those components into something else. The reason we die is so that others can be born. The reason is a tree starts as a seed and all the elements of the soil and the water and the sun, all those things come together and combine into a tree is, the reason that happens is so that one day it can fall over and be taken apart again and combined into something new. So in a strange way, all that is perceived by us as bad is required so that we can combine those things again into what we perceive as something new. And it seems to me that the nature of our human condition is to simply align with the things that combine so that we may create things, so that we may create more beauty, so that we have more creations, sculptures, poems, books. Just the look of love that you have for another person is a divine power seeing the best in a person who is struggling, seeing the best in a person who is fucking blowing it, knowing that they started out as a beautiful baby without those bad attributes, knowing that at a certain point along the way, that chaotic force got the better of them, but it doesn't mean that that's what they are. That is how you project love into the universe, into those around you, that is how you connect with the divine combinatory force, the force that combines things. That's what love is. Love brings things together. Be that.
be that when it's the hardest thing to be. We're doing it right now. I created this thing, and you are here listening to this thing, and so you are now a part of it. So thank you. We did this together. And if that sounds too cheesy, what that means is you developed a callus around your heart, around your intuition, around your combining force. And you need to scrub that callus down so that you can combine and love and be and bring the things into your own life and your own experience that will make it beautiful instead of something that is decaying. There's nothing wrong with decay. But that's not our purpose as humans. Our purpose as, hum as humans is to combine things into something beautiful. As far as I can tell. And what the fuck do I know? <laughs> Thank you for being here. My name is Maverick Matthews. And this is Pepper for Your Steak. Heartbeat City Heartbeat City